Welcome back to The Coop with Meyer Hatchery, where we talk all things poultry in hopes of inspiring crazy chicken keepers and educating future flock owners. I'm your host, Kendra, and today I'm flying solo in a mini-sode. This mini-sode is a little bit shorter than our traditional episodes as we cover relevant happenings in and around Meyer Hatchery. Today we're giving you a behind-the-scenes look at how Meyer Hatchery hatches thousands of chicks to fulfill your orders. I chat with Stacy, who is a shipping associate, but as you'll hear, wears many hats at Meyer as she gives you first-hand insight into the hatching process. But before we dive into the interview, let's go over the review of the week. This review is on Apple Podcasts from user Jennifer Looper and is titled Excellent Information. They write, I love this podcast. It's very informative. I'm mentioning it to two new chicken ladies and told them to get this podcast. I can't wait for more. Well, Jennifer, we're happy to hear you love the podcast and are thankful you're spreading the love with fellow chicken ladies. If you're tuning in on Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate it if you drop us a review for a chance to be featured next week. So without further ado, let's get into this mini-sode interview. Welcome to the coop, Stacy. For our listeners who are not familiar, can you give a little insight into your role at the hatchery? I am a shipping associate, which gives me many hats at the hatchery here. I ship chicks on Mondays. I ship eggs on Tuesdays. I transfer eggs on Fridays. Um, So I do a lot of different things and have a lot of different experience over the last two years in many different roles. So today we're going to be talking more about the hatching process at the hatchery and what that looks like. Obviously, there are barns where our chickens are housed. How does the egg collection process begin? So around 7 o'clock every morning, the barn associates will go in and they take a cart and they go down to the end of the hallway where they will uh, collect the eggs from the roosts. Um, They have pencils with them so that they mark each flat so that they know what they can decipher which breed is when it comes time to sorting them at the end of the collection. At the end of the collection, they go into the cooler and they have each breed has their specific location in which they get placed. And then once they have 360 eggs, they get boxed up to come over to the hatchery on Fridays. They will take out the the eggs that we don't feel will hatch, the ones that are too big or too small, and those get set aside for table eggs. And then they will sort them to where their breeds go. Now, what temperature are the eggs stored at to keep them fertile for incubating or, you know, ready to ship on Tuesdays? Um, Between 45 and 55 degrees. So basically all these eggs are boxed up at the barns and then transferred to the hatchery. And when they get prepared to be placed into the setter, what does that process look like? The setting process is quite a tedious process on Fridays. They come in and we sort them by the breeds and then we tag the cart or we tag the trays and then we have air lifters that suction the eggs, 30 eggs at a time into the lifter and then we take them trays of 30 and transfer them onto a tray that holds 132 eggs each and then we fill the carts up. Um, Each cart can take 36 trays and then once they're full you move on to the next cart and you mark each one based on the breed and then 
at the end of the day, we get a count. So the barn sends over a count of the eggs. The people setting it confirm the count is correct as they are setting it. And then that gets put into a, a spreadsheet. And so then that goes into how we determine the availability later down the line. But then we use the tray count and the egg count to determine the number of chicks that we should have on Monday. Go ahead and talk more about what you do as a transfer person. So on Sunday night, the eggs get put into the setters. And then 18 days later, um, my partner and I will come in and we are in the setter hallway and we take the carts out and we pull them out tray by tray. We lay the tray down on it. Uh, My partner lays a basket over it and then we place one hand underneath the tray and then one hand on top of the basket. And then together we turn it over, holding them together so we don't drop any eggs. And then we lift the tray off and then our eggs are then in that basket. We stack them up and we tag them according to their breed. And then once we're done with the entire cart, we push the entire cart into the hatchers and then we go and do the next one. So when the eggs come in on Fridays, when do you set into the setters for incubating? That happens on Sunday night. They get set on Friday and get pushed into a cooler. And then on Sunday night, they go into the setters. And then 18 days later, on a Friday morning, we come in and we transfer them from the setters into the hatchers. And so we take them from the trays where they have their individual holds for each egg into a basket where the chick can then hatch. Now, for people that are not familiar, because I'm assuming the average user is used to seeing a standard incubator that holds, I don't know, anywhere from seven to maybe 30 plus eggs. Can you explain the difference between what that incubator looks like and what a hatcher looks like at the hatchery? Like, what are those two pieces of equipment and how do they differ? They look extremely similar, but our setters, the carts get plugged in where they rotate our eggs hourly so that those don't have to be done by hand because that would be a very tedious process. Um, each setter can hold 19,004 eggs, so that would be a lot of eggs to hand turn. When we push them into the, the hatchers, they are just in baskets so they don't get um, plugged into anything. They don't rotate. They just sit there and ready to hatch at that point. So basically when they go into the hatcher, that's where most people go on lockdown in their at-home incubation process is the last three days where they're not in a turner, they're not moving, positioning themselves within the egg, preparing to hatch out, correct? Exactly. Thanks to Brinzi, we've partnered to offer you free shipping on all Brinzi products. This exclusive offer is only available to the Coop Podcast listeners. Are you looking to upgrade your old incubator and get a new one? Or maybe purchase a new candler for your science department? Or try out an EcoGlow brooder instead of that old heat lamp? Well, March is your month. Access this limited time offer today through the link below in our show notes. So to help people visualize, because these setters and hatchers are giant, like how tall is a typical rack that you're pushing in and out of these devices? Well, I'm five foot four and I am on my tippy toes with my arms extended fully in order to pull the trays out and to stack them up. So they're 
probably close to six and a half feet, seven feet high. And how many racks go into a single setter? So a single setter holds four carts and each cart has 32, tra- or, I'm sorry, 36 trays. So overall, when if a completely full cart and if you had four completely full carts, you would have 19,004 eggs in a setter. That's just crazy to picture. I've personally been there and seen it and it's out of control. How many eggs are being hatched at one time? We have 12 setters that can hold 19,000 eggs. So that would be a lot if they were all on the same schedule, but we have them rotating so that we have stuff coming out every week. So every 18 days, we're pulling something out. Can you describe that a little bit? So in previous episodes, um, I've really been trying to touch on the difference between a standard incubator that most people are familiar with using and cabinet style incubators. And we've been comparing how cabinet style are similar, smaller scale, obviously, than our industrial hatchers that we're using. But can you describe a little bit how that process works? To help people understand, in the cabinet style incubator, a lot of times people use those specifically so they can rotate one rack at a time. And they can have a consistent number of hatches versus hatching, you know, 500 eggs and getting 500 chicks every 21 days. They're rotating to keep that constant supply. And that's a big part of how we determine our availability and make so many breeds available at one time. So how does that work? Like how many different breeds are going into the setter at a time? It depends on the time of year. Right now, every breed is going in every week. So then we're pulling those out every week as well. We have 12 setters that we use, and I generally, right now, I'm cleaning out about four a week. So I transfer all of the carts in four of them on Friday morning. And then when we're done, we clean them out and get them prepared for the next round to go in, which will go in on Sunday night. So we empty it out on Friday, then the next round goes in on Sunday night. So how long does it typically take you? It's just you and one other team member, correct, that moves them Mm -hmm. from the setter to the hatcher? Yes. How long does that process typically take you? It takes us about six hours. So that's it's close to 60,000. That's incredible. It is. Let me tell you, hot in that hallway because you can't have a huge temperature change from the setters. And if you bring them out and have a huge temperature change, then eggs can explode or it'll keep them from hatching properly. So we have to have that hallway hot in there. So I will have sweat running down my face or down my back while I'm in there. and It takes a lot out of you. <laughs> I never thought of that, actually. That's a really good point to make to listeners is, yeah, you just like when you go on lockdown in the incubator, I mean, you candle, but you can really only keep that open for five to 10 minutes, you know, to do your final candling before mm-hmm. you go on lockdown. And that's the almost the exact same process, but on a much larger scale to yeah. get that transferred. We try to transfer them as quickly as possible. We've timed it before. The fastest that I, that my partner and I have ever timed ourselves was it took us seven minutes to transfer one part, which was completely full. So 36 trays, we transferred in about seven minutes. But most of them, because there's multiple breeds, so there's changing of tags and there's... Um, We put dividers in to keep them, if there's not a full tray, we'll put a divider in to keep them kind of confined to one area. So there's different little things like that that can end up adding time to it, but it generally takes about 10 to 15 minutes to do a part. But we try to do that as quickly as possible. But like I said, the hallway is also very hot that we're standing in to to help um, ease that process so that 
if it does take us 15 minutes, it's not going to be a huge deal because we're not going to allow the temperature to drop too much. And the hatches are already up to temperature when we're doing this so that as soon as we're done and we push them in there, it's right back into that 99 degree temperature for them. So then once the hatching process is complete and you open up that hatcher to all those peeping chicks, what does the next phase look like? The next phase is that we take them out to a table where we have baskets and we count them out and put them in baskets of 90 each. And then once we've um, done the entire cart, we push them over to where the sexers are and then they get sexed out and divided into their orange and blue baskets for shipping. And what does the orange and blue represent? The orange represents female and the blue represents male. And this typically happens when you're pulling them out of the hatcher. Is this really early Sunday morning this happens? Uh, It's happening Sunday afternoon. And then we're coming in Monday morning to ship them. So just a few hours before we ship them, they're being pulled out. So what does the sexing and sorting process look like? Pulling them out by breed and you're putting them in just a standard basket by 90 and then passing them over to a sexer, correct? Yes, which... When we push them over the sexer, we have marked them with a piece of paper that says what the breed is, and we've counted the number, and we might mark the count, so then we have an idea of whether they hatched out well or not that week. And if they didn't hatch out well, um, sometimes we will put them back into the hatchers and give them a few more hours, and then we'll, we'll attempt to pull them again. So once they get to the sexing process, I know you do some sexing based on color, correct? Yes, there's color sexing, there's feather sexing, and there's vent sexing. Color sexing is like on Rhode Island red. The males will have white wings. The females won't. Um, With barred rock, the males have three dots on their head in kind of the shape of a triangle. And the females have a dot on their head. And if they have more than one, it'll be in a straight line. Mm-hmm. So that it's never supposed to go down onto the sides of their neck. And then feather sexing, you look at the wings. And on the female, you can see two lines of feathers on the females. And on the males, it's just, you can only see one line on the wings. Um, there's only certain breeds that that can be done on. And then the rest and, are vent sexed. Correct, which is done by, we have a group of people that come in and do that for us, which takes extensive training to learn how to do that. And that is not something that I can do. It's actually quite an interesting thing to see. (laughs) Yes, I've heard stories (laughs) about coming in to watch that process. And just if people aren't familiar, you are taking their vent, essentially. You squeeze them a little bit. Sometimes you can pull their vent apart and they're looking for, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's like a specific shape, right? They're, yeah, they, they have girl parts and boy parts, basically. Yes. And then that that's are how very, very tiny. And the people that do this pretty fast at it as well. Just think all of those chicks that are coming out. I mean, I think they're doing probably close to 60,000, which is a crazy number to look at. Um, I know that like with our color sexual breeds, they will color sex first. And then if there are ones that they're not quite sure about, then they will go back and vet sex them. That makes Just sense. Just make sure it's 100%. Yep, double checking. Because we do offer the 100% gender accuracy policy. So in the case that you do receive a male instead of a female, we will provide a refund for that bird. 
So a lot of times people will call or chat in on the customer service side upset that that mistake may happen. But I think this podcast may shine a little bit of a light on just exactly how many birds we're going through on a weekly basis. So the few that may end up with a mistake, which is pretty rare, actually, I wish I had some numbers to compare, but pretty rare occurrence that that happens. I mean, that's a tremendous amount of birds we're going through. And then the double checking, like Stacy said, through the color sexing and then going back through invent sexing if necessary. So there are a couple steps there to ensure you're receiving the right genders. So pretty fascinating process. Now, once the chicks have been removed from the hatchers and they've gone into sexing and sorting and are moving into shipping, what happens to all of that equipment? Does it go through some sort of cleaning process? Yes, everything gets cleaned um, between each hatch. So after I transfer, my partner and I clean the setters out and get them ready for the next round to go in. After the hatchers are emptied out, um, on Tuesdays, they go in and they clean out the hatchers. They get swept out and then they get sprayed down and then they get foamed in order for the next round to go in on Friday. And then also on Tuesday, all the baskets that we transferred them into and then they get pulled from, they all get washed. And then the baskets that they go, the big hatching baskets get washed. And then the smaller baskets that go onto the shipping floor will get washed in the washroom on Tuesday. And then we also wash down the, like after shipping on Monday, we wash the floors down on Tuesday and just get everything cleaned back up and ready for the next one. So pretty strict biosecurity standards for the hatchery to ensure that healthy chicks are not only being hatched, but all the way to being shipped to you as well. That cleaning process happens on a weekly basis. Now for the cleaning, I've seen the washer that all of the equipment goes through. Now we do have like an eco water supply system set up, right? Yes, we do. The tanks are quite large. They're probably, I would say about seven feet high and probably close to seven feet around. They can hold a a large amount of water in them. Um, all of the water that comes from our setters and hatchers gets recycled back into tanks in our washroom. And then the water that is in those tanks, it's filtered and cleaned and gets used to wash the bat- hatching baskets and then the baskets from the floor. And then it also gets used for washing the floor. And if there's any overflow, um, it also will get sent out to the dairy barns to water the cows. So that water that's coming from the hatchers and setters, because I'm assuming a lot of people aren't familiar, the water that's being used within those is what creates the humidity in there, right? Correct, yes. So that basically there's pipes that line the inside of those machines and it's flowing through those pipes to keep that consistent humidity. Then once the process is over, that water is flushed from those devices into holding tanks where it's used throughout the hatchery in those other instances like cleaning the floors and cleaning cleaning the baskets, and then, like Stacy mentioned, out to the dairy farm, which neighbors the hatchery to water the cows. Thank you, Stacy, for coming in to describe more about the hatching process. It definitely is fascinating, so I appreciate you taking the time out. No problem, Kendra. I really appreciate you having me. And I do have to say, even as an employee, I'm very proud of Meyer Hatchery as we continuously strive towards healthy, efficient hatchings while reducing our footprint through eco-friendly solutions. I hope you all enjoyed our segment with Stacy covering the hatching process at Meyer Hatchery. 
Now, I know it can be a little hard to picture the process we just discussed, and we get asked all the time regarding tours of this process, but unfortunately, due to our strict biosecurity standards, we cannot allow tours. Lucky for you, though, March is our hatch-along month, and not only are we showcasing our customers, we're giving you a behind-the-scenes look at how we hatch. Now that you've had the opportunity to hear about it, I'll post a link below to our social channels that are showing it. You'll get a first-hand look at exactly what 19,000 eggs look like being pushed into a setter, how we collect eggs from our breeder barns, and just how large our incubation area is. And with that, I thank you for listening to The Coop. If you'd be so kind, drop us a review. See you all next week. Bye.